0: The great wit, Gretchen Marx, is famous for saying that he wouldn't want to join any club that would have him as a member. What he is not so famous for is his other quote about being a member of a club. He allegedly said, I have a mind to join a club and beat you over the head with it. And this tells us a lot about what being in a club is about. When you join a club, you have to allow your individuality to be subsumed by the collective and strive to work for others. This is what allows people the power to change things. It has worked for political parties, and it has worked for trade unions. It has even worked for professional sports like football and golf, which led to a codification of the rules and regulations needed to govern their activities. Therefore, you would think it works for Secretio. But as you will find out in this week's episode of Finger Flickin' Good, this isn't always the case. This week, you'll we'll hear from people who have started clubs, who won clubs, who play in clubs, and who have just joined clubs. All that and more coming up in this episode of Finger Flicking Good. Keep listening. we heard from those in the Subutio community who like to play the game solo. This time around we're going to hear from those who reject solo play, take the collective view and join a club. When I was a young lad we had a Subutio league on the council estate where I grew up. There were about eight of us and we each chose our favorite team and made up a name. I can still remember the name of my team, Dynamo Deerswood. get together at each other's houses and play a round of matches and this went on for a number of years. When I came back to playing sabutio in 2009 I was amazed to find a vibrant community of collectors and painters but not clubs. Were people still playing the game outside their homes I wondered? Or given the age of the players, 30 plus, were they possibly too embarrassed to form clubs and play as a collective? I never really investigated it deeply, And if I had then, I'm sure I would have found pockets where the competitive club game survived and soldiered on. Fast forward to 2020 and the coronavirus pandemic. I soon found an answer to my question, as people complained online about the lockdown preventing them from attending their beloved sabutio clubs. I was now intrigued. Where had the growth in these clubs come from? Many had clearly been formed long before lockdown, so I decided to investigate further this time. When had they formed? Who had formed them? And how did they work? I was soon banging on the door of Martin Og Bradley, who is on Twitter as at Boogie Doubt. How had his Daddy City table soccer club come into being? At our
1: club, sir. Uh, our club started back two thousand sixteen. Yeah. My 2016. Well, we always played bit so and We were we growing up and things, but my brawler. Came down, he lives in Belfast. Came down to visit us in summer 2016, and he had one of these new Saberio sets for his son. I didn't even know Suburio was still going, you know. He bought it for his son, and we took it up to my house, laid it out on the kitchen table. I went out to my shed, got my old teams, and I played a match. Fuck me. They're, oh, sorry. Prison. But it was like a Ratatouille moment whenever I scored my first goal. Just all came flooding back. It was like I, I had never stopped playing. This had never gone away. So me and Hamlin talked about setting up a wee club just for a bit of crack playing games and things. But once I had gone down the video rabbit hole, you know, looking through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, was on Twitter and i seen. Nah. Well, it turns out it was Lawrence. Watson, but I didn't, didn't know who he was at the time. He was making like a wee statues and it was a wee Derry City player and a wee glass case. I thought, God, I'll get that for my father for Christmas because he was starting to play the Subudu with us again too. <clears throat> so it was like a delivery or he could bring it around the house if you loved local and I thought, well, God, where do you love? But he love in Craigan, which is only 10 minutes away. I thought he was some I don't know, I thought he was in England or something like that. So he came round that night and I had been building a table and had a table set up and we were just chatting away then about Suvidu and I says to him, you know, I'm looking to start a club. And he was, you know, he was all in. God, I'd be into that. And he knew a fella worked in a bar in the dairy City Supporters Club. So he says, I'll see if I can get us on there. So that, that was it. One thing led to another. Three weeks later, we had our first competition.
0: Brilliant his colleague on the popular YouTube show, Subutio Fantasy League, Lawrence Watson, told me a similar story.
2: Well, it wasn't, there was no Derry City Table Football Club still existing when I started. So it was actually, um, Martin Oge, I think I might've mentioned it before. Martin Oge had ordered a, a figure off me, a moving figure, and I had delivered it to his house. It was a Christmas present or a birthday present for his father. Um, and he introduced me, he brought me into his house. Never met the guy before. Um, it was like through Twitter he had ordered a figure and then I went around to his house to deliver it and he brought me in and he had his table set up. Um, offered me a game. I think we played a quick game, um, using old zombies or old figures anyway, whatever it was. But I had got telling him that I had been um Like Not in a club before, but try to play like with friends before. So when I started talking to him to say that we had tried to play about six years beforehand, we sort of got to say then that we would maybe try and start our own wee league or our own wee club or something, get something going. So he said his brother was playing and I said that I could maybe get us a venue. So I went spoke to a guy about getting where we currently play, the Derry City Social Club. We got that set up. Um Martin put it out there on Facebook that there's th- chances of a, like a small club getting started and gathering up. And there was a couple of guys in Donegal and Strabane and different places playing, still, well, had been playing. So just through Facebook, we sort of got it organized and got, got a sort of crowd together. And I think after about two weeks, we got our first, our first game set up. I think about 12 came the first night. And then from then, it just continued. And I think we've been going now. I think we've been going about four years maybe now, um, four or five years since we first started. So it wasn't so much joining the club, but we just started our own, basically. Um, the old
0: classic saying, build it and they'll come, you know. That way. Sometimes, however, you live in another country and it falls on you to introduce the delights of the game to your friends. Here's Fred Elishbow, who we last met in Series 2 explaining how he introduced the members of his tip-kick club in Germany to the delights of Subutio. Uh,
3: no, I, I introduced Subutio because we play just the German version of table football, which is the tip-kick. We just play tip-kick for, I, I joined in 2010, so more than eleven, yeah, 11 years ago now. And I played for 10 years intensively just tip-kicking all the leagues from, from what they call the Bundesliga here, which is the fourth division, until we got promoted to the Bundesliga, which is the, the major league. And I played intensively re- just tip-kick until one, <laughs> one weekend. Also for a tip-kick tournament in Berlin, I was staying for a friend of mine who is a big Undertones fan. And then he said, hey, check this single here. And then I heard, I said, what's that, Subutio? I said, oh, now now I'm interesting. And then I start, because of the undertones, because of Subutio, I came back to Hanover and said, hey, why we cannot try this? And it was fun. And I I still play both. I think they're both fun.
0: Simon Stewart, who is on Twitter as Subutio Podjov, is someone who is in the fortunate position of playing for two different clubs in Germany, where he now lives although he has associations with clubs back in his native Northern Ireland.
4: Uh, I will, I'm kind of a member of two clubs, but the, the one that I attend regularly, I found them on... God, how did I find them? I think it was on, on, on Facebook. This is the one in Hamburg, St Pauli, or St Pauli. Uh, I found them on Facebook, and at that time I was still in Ireland. And I fancied a trip away. Uh, I saw I saw two tournaments at the same weekend. One in Hamburg and one in Sicily. Uh, and I decided uh, that I would go to the Hamburg one. Uh, so I went along. I played at their little competition. Met everybody. And then when I decided to move over a little bit later, uh, yeah, I joined up. So I found them on, on Facebook, I think, from what I remember. Uh Yeah, the other one, Hanover, uh, was through Fred at the St. Pauli club. I've signed for them uh, for festive competitions, uh, but I would still sort of class St. Pauli as my home club. Uh, Yeah, Fred wanted to to attend festive competitions, team events. My clubmates at St. Pauli aren't really interested in attending festive events, so Fred said, Well, look, I'm going to form a team here in Hanover. There's a few players here. Do you want to join? I love team events, I like the team event more than the individuals, so yeah, I said I'd sign up for Hanover for festive competitions, so yeah, that was that.
0: But what about those who had played the game competitively in their younger days? How easy was it for them to take the step back into playing against others in a club setting? Was it just like riding a bike? Here's Jason Christopher, who paints bespoke UTO teams and is on Twitter as Argo Table Soccer, explaining how he recently returned to playing the game.
5: Um, well, I'm now a member of um, Solent Club, um, which started out as Solent Sabutio Club, but we've now changed to Solent uh, Sabutio and Table Soccer Club. Um, I had no real intention of um, coming back and joining a, a league or anything like that. Uh, it was only um, through Alan Lee. Um, basically, he kept, he, <laughs> I wouldn't say nagging, that's probably the wrong word, but he kept he kept messaging me saying, no, you've got to get back playing again. You know, once he sort of seen the stadium pictures and, and stuff. And he said, you've got, to, you've got to come back and start playing again. And I had no real intention of it. Um, and I went down to um, Haverhill to play in a, a tournament. And uh, just kind of got the bug again, really. And then he he, he told me that uh, Corey was setting up the Solent League. And um, it would be good to have my experience on board in terms of like, getting it set up and up and running. And yeah, I've been, been going every fortnight. Obviously, you know, COVID was a bit of an interruption, but every fortnight since we set it up.
0: I wondered what it would be like for someone joining a club for the first time. Paul Pearson another who paints bespoke Beauty of teams as kits for flex joined a club recently so i asked him how he had found the experience
6: uh so quite a while back um when i first started doing the painting so we're getting on for maybe 18 months 2 years ago um jason christophers mentioned it to me he probably won't remember um but he he mentioned it to me in a in a private message and i was like mm, maybe you know um and an airing about it um and then through the uh what's He's fantasy football show i got to know uh what's he, um and martin og and they talked me into it they basically you know told me how, how brilliant it is to be a member of a club and to just get out there and do it. So, um, yeah, I got back in touch with uh, Jason Christophers again and uh, went from there. I went on to ask him whether or
0: not the club game was different from that which he had played as a youngster.
6: Yeah, absolutely different. Um, So, yeah, you know, pl- playing as a child, it was... um. I grew up on on lightweights um, and it was, you know, playing the basic rules that you got in the uh, in the box sets. Um, and now joining the club, they play the, the new um, fistiff rules, which has taken a little bit of getting used to. Um, I'm still still learning, uh, you know, getting there gradually week by week.
0: Prior to lockdown in March 2020, there didn't appear to be as many functioning Subutio clubs in the UK as you would have first thought. But during the lockdown and the recent upsurge in interest in the game, there appears to have been a growth in new clubs, which hopefully will help keep Subutio alive into the future. Here's Fred Elishbaugh again, explaining why he thinks Germany, as a very communitarian culture, is a fertile breeding ground for new Subutio clubs.
3: But you guys have an advantage that you have the 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 property rights of the game. Like everybody in England knows what Subutio is. If I show if I show you a Sabudyo figure, like in Great Britain, people know. Oh, that's Sabudyo. You don't have to play. You don't have to collect. You don't have to do anything with. But people know. Like if I show an average German or an average kid a a, a figure, he would not know at all. What's that? The, you would know a tip kick figure. That's okay. That's part of German culture. But Subudu is still um, a foreigner uh, game in Germany, and that's I think a disadvantage. Yes, we play more in clubs, but that's nothing to do with the game. It's, it's something to do with German culture. German ha- Germany has this. Register association culture, which we call für Ein Verein here, which the, the joke that we tell ourselves is that whenever three Germans get together, they create an association, they create a club. And that <laughs> you can have clubs for anything, absolutely anything. Uh, and on, on average, I, 44% of the German population is at least a member of one club. For example, I'm a member of, of, of four, <laughs> I'm a member of my football club, Hannover 96. I'm a member of my Suburio club. I'm a member of uh, what we call the ADAC, which is the automobile club here, which basically if you own a car in Germany, you're a member of that club that's going to help you fix your car if you need it. And I'm also a member of uh, my political party. So uh, I'm I'm a community man. <laughs> and I think that's what makes the social capital of Germany so strong. People here like to do things together. And I think that's Healthy.
0: In the UK being in a club is still popular not perhaps as much as it is in Germany but it can often be what defines you as a person. In the UK over the last 40 years I believe we have become a lot more insular as a society celebrating the individual more than the collective and this is something which may have made our forced isolation during the pandemic even harder here's paul pearson again this time explaining how he had doubts about taking the initial step of joining a club
6: uh, other other than than uh, jason i i knew jason obviously before but but never met him just talked to him sort of you know through text or or uh. you know through posts online and things like that um but it was good having him there because I, I turned up and he was stood in the doorway, and immediately all my all my fears and anxieties went. Because I'd spent the whole day thinking of excuses in my head that I could text him for why I wouldn't go. <laughs> and then <laughs> I just thought, sorry, I'm going. Um, but it's like you've got a group of people, and I would other than Jason, because he's quite he's quite like like me we got similar interests similar sense of humor um other than that it's like a group of blokes that i wouldn't think i'll ring them up see if they want to go for a few pints do you know what i mean we're all different people from different walks of life and but we all come together because we all love one thing in particular you know and it's it's brilliant It's absolutely brilliant and I've I've encouraged some other people to do it. So,
0: you're thinking of joining a club, but like Paul, are a bit wary of taking the initial step. Perhaps because you're concerned about how welcoming a subutio Club actually is. Not to worry, here are two of the founding members of Derry City Table Football Club to put your mind at ease. First up is Martin O'Bradley, followed by Lawrence Watson.
1: I do, I do. I've only ever encountered one person who was looking to join a club, and it was a bit. It seemed a bit odd, you know. They had a, they had an application form. I thought this is a, you know, it's only video. it's only video club. Most clubs are, I'll say all clubs bar I, I can't imagine a club not being welcoming. I really can't. And that goes back to the, the, the size of the community. If somebody was looking to come and play with us, we're all over them, man. We're like love bombing as soon as they come in the door. you equipment, well here, take it easy on them, talk them through the rules, introduce everybody, add them to the group chat. Do you know you're you're once if you want to join the club, you're in the club. If you just want to come and play, brilliant. You're practically in the club, do you know? I've experienced that. I've seen the same thing in Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton are always looking, new members. If you want to place a video, come along. And they're lovely boys, you know, and they will. You'll go to clubs and some people will be really good playing and some people will be useless. Not useless, but you will. They'll be useless. But they're they're having just as good a time and they're just as welcome as anybody else. So I think clubs are generally welcoming. I think people's perception is that, I can't really place a video, but I really want to place a video. But I'm not going to go to that club because look at them. They're all wearing the same outfit. They're all, they really look like they know what they're doing. They're in a competition and some boys give off about something and they're, it, it, it seems a bit tense, you know. It's not, it's not really like that until you dive in. It's like you don't know how warm the water is, do you jump in? It might be freezing, it might be warm. It's generally all right. It's generally warm, man. No, I, I think most... Cl- and they, if, I mean, we've had fellas from here that uh, went on holidays, went on holidays to Spain and linked we with video clubs over in Spain and, oh, great, come on in, have a few games. And they've gone over and they've played matches. We've had people come over here, come up to me in the shed if we didn't have a night on and play. Craig plays with us. He's our foreign ambassador. He went to... God, he's gone to Portugal. He went to, he got hooked up with Vincent in Belgium. He always wanted to go and visit the the War Graves in Belgium. So he went over there and he linked them with Vincent. And Vincent put on a wee tournament and you know, beer and trophies and food and a bit of crack and they had a wee competition. You'll find that all the time. I don't unless you're talking about some big massive club in Italy. But even then, if you were there and you says, I'm on holidays is there any chance I could get a game? I'd be very surprised if anybody said, no, no, you can't. You're not a member. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing like that. There's a f- official side of Sevilla that's festive, you know, which is great. And, uh, but it's only really for, like, club competitions, you know, team matches where you would have to be signed to that team to play in a competition. Whereas if you were just getting into Sevilla and just wanted a few games, you you wouldn't be going to do that anyway. But you could still go to their club nights and they would still say, Yeah, come on ahead. If they were having club nights. A lot of clubs are well, there's a lot more now around England, than that, thanks to Alney and that crowd. Haverhall, Rover, Stanway, all this year, new clubs have started up, which is brilliant. We're sure shit. If you phone the invoice up and says, Can I come and play? They'd say, Yeah, yeah. They take my arm and all off you. Because the more you want more players in your club. No club, just four players, and that's it. You know, as many as you can get, bring them in, bring them in. And like I say, that with the community being so small, the market is quite small. So when you, if you want players in the local area, you need to be attracting them in, and you, you know, you bring them in with the sweet side of things. There is no bad side to Sabudio or Sabudio clubs. Things will happen in clubs. Do you know what I mean? But that's just people being people, personalities and people fall. But I mean all the fallen outs and everything that's gone on the last five years in our club with different clubs and local and everything. We're still here. We're as strong as ever. The people that have fallen out are still playing. You know, we've all come back to the fold. Everybody's still playing together. It's a great community. But you always have to remember. It's a kid's game. It is a game. It's big grown men playing a Wayne's game, and people do have the to act quite childish at times. But if anybody, you know, anybody can be reminded, you're forty five, mucker. Do you know what I mean? You're nearly fifty. Buddy, what he? But so no clubs are inviting, man. Clubs are definitely inviting. I think so. I don't. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard. I've heard of one story of a club
2: that it wasn't it wasn't when they actually went to the club but it was more for people on Facebook that this club had a like an application form that you could you had to fill this in before you could come along and play. Um and I think the application form was a wee bit over the top like do you know the rules? How good a level are you competitive? What have what's your Shibudio history? You know, this sort of thing. Um so that was on Facebook, and I know that I know one of the guys that had spoke to me about going to this club, and I says, "Look, give them a ring. Tell them you think the the Facebook thing might be a wee bit over the top. You want to get involved?" And he rang them, and they were like, geez, no, that's we're one hundred percent welcome and come along. That there's just to let people know that we're not here to teach people how to play the game. We'd like you to know the basics if you you know to help us out. But if you don't know the basics, we'll show you." Um, and I think he went along and had a had a good time at it, and, and thought everybody was welcoming. And I haven't heard anybody saying they've gone to a club and thought nobody wanted them there. You know, we always try. Like if we have anybody on the on the YouTube channel and we're talking about getting them into a club, we'll we'll ask them where their nearest club is and tell them to go and contact whatever person runs that club. You know, if it's Wolverhampton, we'll put them in touch with Justin. If it's Glasgow, we'll put them in touch with Tom Burns you know, London Road, Cain Motel, and they're going to speak to Cain. And I think everybody wants, I mean, everybody in a club needs members. It's not like you can turn around and say, oh, we're full the capacity. We don't want any more members. Every subidio
0: club in the country
2: needs members.
0: Um, Martin Og and Lawrence are obviously big cheerleaders for the club scene. So let's hear what people who have recently joined clubs think about how welcoming they really are. Both Paul Pearson and Jason Christopher joined the same club in Hampshire after years away from the game. First up is Paul, followed by Jason.
6: The thing about being in the club is the guys are really good and they're welcoming. And, you know, because I'm the newbie and I'm I'm not completely au fait with the rules, they will talk me through it, you know. So if, if there's something that I've done wrong or, you know, question something then they'll stop the game and talk me through it and that was exactly what I needed
5: on on the first night that I, that I walked through the door yeah I think so I mean I, I can't really speak for other clubs um well not all other clubs anyway but certainly the the few that I've been to uh, since coming back have been really welcoming um we we as a club are are really welcome in i know you know we, we've talked previously about sort of mental health issues and stuff like that and i know that me and myself included there's, there's at least three of us that got to the door and thought i can't do this or i'm gonna i'm not gonna go in or i'll turn around yeah. home kind of thing but actually we we went the extra step and haven't looked back which is which is great um so yeah So that's
0: the welcoming side of the club scene in the UK. What about clubs in Germany? Are they as welcoming to newcomers? As I said earlier, Simon Stewart is in a unique position of being able to reflect on clubs both in the UK and Germany.
4: Yeah, I think so. Certainly, in my experience, and I've played at a few other clubs, uh, in Belfast years ago, I played for the Belfast Barbarians. Uh, but yeah, Derry definitely was very welcoming. You know, without those guys, I wouldn't have got back into Cebuio. I'm st- I still class all my Derry clubmates as my friends. Uh, and they have new newcomers coming along. Uh Pauli also we've you know we've had new newcomers turn up now and again. And actually, one of the guys I works works work with. Uh, he is in massively into board games and gaming all sorts of board games. And he had heard of Sabudio. He's a German guy. And just two days ago, uh, he was in work. He doesn't work full time, but he came up to me after work as I was leaving. And he said, oh, are you back playing again at St. Pauli?" And I said, yeah, we are. And he said, look, I'm going to get my, my second injection in the next couple of weeks. And then two weeks after that, I'd love to come along and play. So I think he would be very welcome to come along. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think they are, in my experience, welcoming. I don't know if that's the case everywhere. I I don't know, but certainly in my experience, I've found the people to be very friendly, very welcoming, and very open. So yeah, it's been it's been great. My 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 links to clubs.
0: Fred Ellershaw has no doubt that the beauty of clubs in Germany are very welcoming. Here he is speaking about some of his experiences.
5: Yes,
3: in general, every club is welcome, especially Subutio. Like, I think I'm, I play everywhere. I, I've, I train with every, everybody who, who invites me to, to play. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I played with uh, the president of the German uh, Subutio um, Association uh, and the German champion, the actual uh, uh, German champion from last year, Marcel, uh, they both invited me to, to play in the ruhrgebiet which is the, the industrial part of West Germany. And I, I drove there and I played with them and it was fun. Like everybody was actually welcome to say, oh, you want to learn and, and play? And, and that's, I think it's good. I think when you're trying to get there in a club, you're always learning the game. You're always uh, meeting people, you know, uh, you, you're breaking your own bubble. And you also have an opportunity to, to learn, right? I think that's the whole point of the game, is, is to learn something, learning a new technique, a new tactic, and a new way of seeing the game. And as much as you play more with people from different clubs, uh, that's why I think the fifth circuit is so important because internationalize everything. Like uh, next uh, uh, month, we're going to have uh, the VASPA tournament here in Hanover. We're going to have the Major of Bologna that I, I want to travel as well. So as the travel restrictions get uh, more flexible with the corona crisis and the vaccination, um, I think people sh- should not miss an opportunity to travel and visit other clubs to, to train, which is also good. It was welcoming in in, in Sampoli. It's also welcome in Hanover, in Berlin, in the Ruhrgebiet in West Germany, in the South. Uh, yeah, and uh, as I started, I had a, a conference in the South of Germany, and and by accident, I emailed a, a, a Subutio club in North of Bavaria, in a region called Franken, the, the, the Franken region. And they had a small club tournament there, and I'd say, I'm in a conference here when I finish the conference can i join and, and play with you guys and say yes you're more than welcome and i was in a little village in the middle of bavaria very very catholic place where they speak a a very very uh, particular german dialect which is the franken the frankish dialect that i i don't speak i'm from i from from the north i speak just the whole deutsch and they were all welcome. Even we're not speaking the same dialect and we all had fun. It was quite nice. And I met the same guy, Steffen Stille, in a, in a German championship and, and it was an honour to play with him again. It's it's community, I think. Club play is the whole point of the game. is meet other people, make friends
5: and have fun.
0: So you've got to the club, managed to cross the threshold and discovered that they're welcoming to new players. what will you get out of it? I asked our contributors what for them were the upsides of being in a Ciputio club. First up is Simon Stewart.
4: Uh, For me uh, being able to go along regularly uh, and play, meet my friends. Uh, So at Pauli we play every Tuesday. Unfortunately my work patterns change so I can only go every two weeks and with Corona or Covid Uh, that's been off the table but we're back now so that's it's been important for me to I guess have friends here in Hamburg, a uh, place to meet people. Uh, so the up the upside for me is really the social side. Being able to go along, we have beer for sale. And on a Tuesday night I try not to drink too much. But i maybe have a beer or a couple of beers during the games, see my friends, uh, and a little bit of practice and I guess the sort of the practice is maybe bottom of the pile in relation to being a member of a club. Uh, In terms of Hanover, uh, the upside, I still haven't met all my club mates, but the upside of that is being able to go and attend, uh, being able to go and attend festive competitions, uh, which hopefully we will start to do soon and play as a team against the, the big, the big clubs in Germany. We're just a new starter club. So yeah. Hopefully we can go along uh, and give a couple of the big clubs a bloody nose. We might win the thing, but, you know, as I always say, getting out of your group is the priority, and if we can do that, then you never know what might happen. So for me, it's two, two different clubs, two different reasons, really, uh, to be members uh, or to be a member of.
0: Jason Christopher is another who loves the social aspect of being a member of a club, especially as a release from lockdown
5: um i suppose you know it's it's a good social evening it's um it's great to meet new people um i think we're quite lucky in our club we've we've got a really good mix of people um everybody gets on really well i think we all get on really well anyway um yeah it's it, i mean it's it is what it is it's, it's it's that um it's that fortnightly release from all of the other stuff around you particularly you know coming back to it after after sort of like the, the lockdown periods and all the rest of it, it, it's just been great, you know, getting back into it. And, and you know, so sort of meeting new people and people that i would actually sort of already known um, via social media and stuff, but and getting to meet them in person it was really good.
0: His club mate, Paul Pearson, is another who enjoys the camaraderie of being in a Sabutio club. But she also sees a benefit membership brings to his mental health
6: um a few things really I suppose the most important thing I suppose is it keeps the game alive um, which is you know what we all want uh it makes you feel makes you feel part of something um, because obviously with with the painting side of things i'm I, I feel like I'm part of the Sabutio community. Um, but actually being in a club, meeting new guys, um, being welcomed into a group, it gives you more of a community feel. And, you know, we all, we all know similar people in the community. So, you know, we can, you know, share experiences and things like that. So yeah i mean especially with with what we've you know the whole country has been through in the last you know 18 months or so with not being able to do stuff um for someone like me who can be quite introverted and and does does suffer at times with with anxiety um it's it's good to take that step and go out and and sort of you know Feel like you're part of something.
0: I asked Martin Og Bradley what for him were the upsides of being in a club.
6: Fucking okay, brilliant, Derek.
1: I'm sorry for cursing, man. It's brilliant, well, it's <laughs> brilliant being in a Superio club. Brilliant. See the crack you have on a Superio night? It's one rave. Competition this weekend. I never even got out of my group. And I, I had a bye into the semi-final a little bit. And I got knocked out of one nil. I've had best days crack I've ever had in a long time, and I thank everybody that was overplaying that the banter you have in the just the, the competition and it's friendly competition, you know, competitive, but it's it's so much fun. Win or lose, you've had a good time. You've had a good, but being in a club with the boys is brilliant. We've had great group. We've had great group in Derry, really do. We've travelled. We've been away. I mean, the first time we ever traveled was uh, oh, something Belfast it was an hour and a half up the road, you know. But it was oh, it was a big day out, man. We have you know, we've out what do you call them? Rigs, we you call your football uniform rig, isn't it? A kit, football Fo- kits. kit, yeah, football kit, right? So we subbed your kit, and that's all the wee balls. We'd about competition, we got sponsors, and we get uh, shirts done. But prior to that, we had uh. Like polo shirts, you know, with the club crest on it. And we have tracksuit tops so with the club crest, the wee sponsors on the side. Brilliant, man. And us all together. And then when you go to somewhere like that, it's like you're one. You're one, people. It's like you're on your own, but you're not in your own. Do you know what I mean? It's like having a wee family with you. And we went to Wales and we went to England. And it's just great, man. It's just great. It's so comforting knowing you have your squad and your team with you. And then you play in a team competition. You know, and it's your four boys against four other boys. And the camaraderie and the fun and the crack is just... It's unparalleled, man. I don't know where else you would get it. Maybe like in real football and things like that. There'd be too much aggro and ego and that. Not that there's no aggro and ego in Seborio, but not, you know, not to the extent. There's nothing in it. There's no money in it. All you want is kudos. Do you know what I mean? If you win a Seborio competition, you get ethereal points on a fistip board or a Waspa board, there's no you know, you're not going to a competition and want a money, there's nothing up for grabs on their land I suppose an ego boost, a bit of kudos, and the kudos only comes from the, the community that you want to be a part of, you're a part of, do you know, and it's tiny, Saburo community is tiny man even if you, I mean we probably know every Saburo player around England, and the UK, UK, I mean they would know us we would know them because it is, it's that we we think it's massive. You know, we get a competition; sixteen people come. We think, oh God, this is massive. I'm stressed out. You know, it's not a, it's not a big number, but in this world, it's quite. It's getting up there. Do you know what I mean? It's quite big. So it's lovely. It's just it's lovely
0: yeah. being in a club. Fred Ellishbow admits that although being in a club is the only way for him to play, there are upsides and downsides to club membership.
3: Mm, could be a. There, like everything in life, could there are good things and bad things. Uh, uh, I think that the good thing to be part of a club is that it, it gives you a sense of community, of belonging, and I think it's very important to anybody. Like, if you check the numbers, like the uh, the number of members of church followers are going down. Party, political party members are going down, trade unions, everything is going down since the 90s, since this France Fukuyama dream of the end of history. So I think the only thing that gives people a a little sense of belonging in their community is to be part of a club, but but also could be a a catch-22 case because... Two thirds of clubs, for example, in in Germany, it, they have the same cultural background. The members have the same cultural background, which means that basically old white German people are members of the club. And there are a lot. You have an idea, it's like 600,000 clubs in Germany for almost everything from Subodio to, I don't know, gardening, and to a population which is... 83 billion. So if you if you do the math, it's like 138 uh, people for uh, uh, one club for 138 uh, people living in this country, and two thirds they just have the same background, which is not really a welcoming place for people who just came to this country, like who migrants or people with different cultural backgrounds. So yes, it's it's good in a sense that it gives you a sense of belonging and 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 sense of community that is basically eroding since the 90s and the end of the yeah welfare state here, but could also be very very uh, yeah nuclear, which which is you live in your own little bubble with people with the same that speaks the same language as you, the same dialect, the same accent. The same uh yeah, world view, which is for me could also be dangerous in a sense.
0: Lawrence Watson doesn't really see any downside, but he does accept that there may be misconceptions about what sort of people play in clubs. Here he is encouraging people to find out for themselves. Um I don't know if there's a downside to it. No,
2: um, I think the only the only issue with being in a club is people think, people who don't be in a club sometimes may, might think of you as, oh, you're you're like an elitist or so you think you're better than everybody else because you're in a club. Um, and I always encourage people to go to clubs, you know. Obviously, encourage yourself to go to a club, encourage Paul Pearson to go to a club um, and play and try it out. And obviously, if some people go and they didn't like it, that's, that's fine, you know. But, I don't think there's a downside to it. Um, obviously, people are going to have arguments over rules, and you, may, you might have a fallout with somebody, and then you know you say that's a downside, but it's very seldom somebody will fall out with somebody over a game of video where you'll have a fight or an argument or whatever else. It's very rare. Um, so I don't think... The, the downside could be that if you're going to go start travelling to competitions... And you could have a family and you're, or say you live far away from the club you've joined. So I know guys come used to come to us on a Monday night and they had an hour and a half journey up from Belfast. And then they had an hour and a half journey home. And then the same, there was guys coming from Donegal, which is an hour and a half away at the one of the furthest points of Donegal from Derry. So you've got that, you've got three hours traveling. And some of these people have young families and kids and stuff. So that could be the downside that, you know, you're going away on a Monday afternoon after work and you're not getting home to the early hours of Tuesday morning and you're away playing video. So that could have an effect on some people's marriage or personal life or whatever else for that. And people think, oh, you're you're away for six hours or eight hours in a day to play video, which people say, oh, well, partners might think he's away playing a kid's child's game all day, you know. So that's the only way the only thing I could think of it. Now I know people said to me in the past, you know, you play you play a toy. You play you go out and play a toy and play with toy figures all day. No, is that something you like doing? I'd be like, It's not a toy. It's yes, it was brought out as a toy and it turned into a sport or a game, but there's a skill date and there's an art date. And, you know, we had a competition here at the weekend past there. Um and the skill that these people have in playing the game I'm, 100 times more skill than i have um or ever wish to have i won't ever don't think i ever get close to them but you can you see people like that playing it and you see the skill that you know there is it's not just a game a toy game you know a game for a game for kids as you would say so that that would be the only sort of downside it would be that you know the effect it could have on people's relationships and stuff
0: The only downside for Simon Stewart of being in his club St. Pauli is that they don't play festive competitions. And for someone who has represented Northern Ireland at the World Cup, this is something he really enjoys. Here he is explaining how this is a downside for him.
4: Yeah, I guess so. I would have loved to have been able to attend festive competition with my clubmates at St. Pauli. And I think having went to the Berlin Grand Prix a few years ago, uh, the organizer there, Marcus, was—he was—I mean, he would have loved, and he said, you know, the German Federation would have loved to have St. Pauli along uh, to play at the German competitions. St. Pauli is a huge, iconic football club, so the fact that it has a subaru club attached, uh, the play in the stadium, I guess, is a big deal and a big—I don't like to say it—but a big sort of uh, brand. Uh, I guess the Pauli would hate to say that, but it is a, it is also a brand. Uh, so to have Pauli along would, would have been fantastic. I would have loved to have been able to play with Pauli at competitions, but simply the guys aren't interested. Uh, they like the more relaxed atmosphere. They like just the club nights and hosting their, their big Waspa competition once a year in March. And and that's fair enough. You know, I mean, I can't force anyone to play. I would have loved it. I tried to persuade some of the guys if they would come along, but no one, no one's really interested. So that's why I des- decided uh, to sign a contract and all that their stuff because you need to do that sort of thing for Fistiff uh, to sign the contract with Hanover. So hopefully we'll, we'll get along or I'll get along to that. But yeah, I would have loved to have played for São Paulo at a, at a big competition. That would have been fantastic.
0: Running a club has its problems, and for the boys of Derry City Table Football Club, the main difficulty they have faced has been keeping members playing. Here's Martin o Bradley and then Lawrence Watson, explaining how they faced down this challenge.
1: Constantly. Well, we started, when we started, our first night we ever played, we had eight people, you know, and it was great. Eight, eight people doesn't sound like a lot, but in the Siberia world, it's loads. You know, especially over here in Ireland. I mean, at the minute, the whole island, there's like sixteen players who would come and play. Do you know, at a push, you would get all sixteen. But we've had people that played our, you know, our first season, second season, and then didn't come back, and then different characters in the club fell out with each other and didn't come back. So video, so video in this part of the world, okay, I think the whole of UK, it was always a, it, it's a kids' game, it's for Wayne's, you know. We all grew up, everybody at the play played it when they were a child. And unfortunately, when you get a big group of grown middle aged men together and you bring out that childhood game again, they can devolve in the childish traits. You know? Oh, you're cheating. Oh, you touched that man. Oh, I'm not oh he was he said this to me. Oh, do you know what I mean? And you have boys fighting, falling out and going and then not coming back. And maybe you've had a tournament and there's been a wee league meeting beforehand and somebody's fallen out with somebody. So two people pull out of a competition. And then it's, it's a ball like You have load of fixtures organised and it's about rearranging everything. They try and keep everybody else, you know, happy. People that have nothing to do with the competition. I take it wide personally, you know, and maybe I shouldn't. But like we, we've organised... Two big events with people you know, from England and Scotland, Wales, and things. And it's a wild pressure and it's stressful. More so just making sure everybody's happy. No- nobody's uh, you know, nobody's not having a good time. Anybody that's gotten a plane and flown over here, you want a good time. I feel responsible if they don't, do you know? And if the competition wouldn't go well, I would feel responsible for that. If it goes well, I, I, don't, I don't think not I did that. You know, I'd just be like, oh, thank God that's worked out and everybody's gotten on all right. We're, we've only just had a big competition just this weekend and, you know, I had the fixtures done and one guy pulled out and I nearly went on the meltdown because it was an hour before we were starting and he's pulled out of a group that had people who flew from England, you know, over it. worked out all right in the end up but still on the day it was boys that didn't get a game they were supposed to get and there was a lot of sitting about for them and that's not great you know
2: I think the biggest challenge is just keeping people playing um you know there was a while for a while there just before lockdown. Um, we used to try and hold a, tur- a tournament or a club night every two weeks um so basically you can hold you can hold one was but a month a Waspa ranking tournament. So if you want to rank for points, you can only do that once a month within your own club. You can play 10 Waspa tournaments in one month if you go to 10 different venues and play them. But we were trying to play a Waspa every two weeks and then we were playing like a club league night where you didn't get points, but it was just more about practicing. Um. So we always had a good nucleus of players. There about 68 players showing up every week. So I think the biggest challenge happened when People start stopped, stopped coming. You know, you were getting new guys coming and they weren't keen on losing all the time and they weren't sure about the rules. So, you know, I mean, sometimes you get a new guy for maybe a week or two and then you'd lose him. Um, so then I think we went down to like three or four players were only coming to the club on a Monday night. So what happened was we started moving it around to Martin shed. So instead of instead of holding the wee league nights that weren't really worth points or anything in a club or in the bar. We started holding them in his shed. So there was maybe only three of us playing. And at that stage, you sort of started thinking it may have been dying off. The game was dying off, but then it just came back and and then lockdown happened. Um, Obviously, that was the biggest challenge, you know, not being able to play, not being allowed to play was the biggest challenge. So you're sort of worrying that all these people that were getting into it, maybe you're going to lose them. Maybe they're going to, say uh i'm I'm done with it, you know there's nobody playing It's never going to come back, but it seems they have come back since we've started back again, so I'd say numbers keeping numbers and keeping people interested is the biggest challenge, I think
0: so if keeping existing players in clubs is a problem, then what can clubs do to attract new members in order to grow the sport? Here's what Jason Christopher believes his Hampshire based club needs to do.
5: Um, our club location would probably need to change. I mean, we've got a great little venue, but it is kind of out in the middle of nowhere, um, and it it doesn't have a bar facility, um, and it's, it hasn't really got any what I would call passing trade. If you like, I think we, I think for it to survive, we do need to consider possibly another venue. Um, I've been looking at different venues, but been very little response because of COVID hopefully that might change um, but I think you know sort of like we need somewhere ideally we'd need somewhere like either a sports social club or or um, a football club that would sort of adopt us if you like um, where there's a, a bit of a sort of a family atmosphere because it's, it's not just about maintaining the the, the 35 plus years guys I say, say that generously. Most of us are well beyond the 35-year mark. Um, it, it's about trying to get youngsters into it as well, for it to survive, I think.
0: Lawrence Watson admits that it will be hard to attract new, younger players to the sport, but he thinks the club should still be up for the challenge and has some creative ideas about what could be done. Uh, it's
2: hard. Um you know, it's it's getting it's getting people to come. You know, that wanna. You know, there, there's that generation where superior people stop playing when they're sixteen. Generally, you know, people that play it at a high level when they were kids stop playing at sixteen, and then they go through life, and then they find it again in their forties. And by that stage, you know, it's it's people. That's where everybody is at the age that they're playing now. So for people not to be playing from with their 16 now. If there's nobody really playing now, you get a few young ones out there playing at the minute, 14 and 12 and whatever else. You know, that there's not a big um market for players at that age. So it's getting them players like they obviously they're gonna go away from the game when they turn 16, 20, whatever. So they're gonna come back to 40 and there's gonna be nobody really about at that stage. So promoting it as a game or promoting it better. Would have to be done by the owners, um, of the the brand owners, you know, subsidiary owners. And I know, I know, in England they're trying to create a whole new leagues and different things to get people into the game. So you need to attract the young market. I think what people are doing, you know, the likes of Edinburgh are trying to promote a, a more Monday night feel, you know, social event. Um, you know, you may get younger people coming along. The only people I think you might get commentator are people would call hipsters. You know, people want to go to the pub and have a paint and play this game for half an hour and go home again. You know, not really take anything serious, maybe not own a team. So if you could get it in the pubs where that is like a pool table. You know, I think we had um, Stephen Hurl on the show one week and he says he if he could get a subuteal table into a pub and it was treated like a pool table, we went to the bar and asked for two teams and set up and played and you're, when you, your hour was up or your light went out after an hour, you know, if that happened, you could find a whole new crowd of players coming to the game. You know, you could find the 20-year-olds who go out for painting on a Monday night with their mates and there's a football match on and they go, oh, there's a, it's a beautiful table. Will we we'll get two teams and play a game, you know, for the sake of a fiver deposit, you know, and get your teams? Um, Maybe that's the only way you're going to get a crowd to keep the game going. Other than that, you're gonna end up with a crowd of seventy and eighty year olds still playing it in twenty years time and it's gonna be like walking subutio, you know, you're, you're not running around a pitch to be like the walking football. The, the guys are gonna be end up going around the, the pitch with their stick and waiting on the other player to get back and use their keeper and things like
0: that. So his club mate Martin Ong Bradley, is a lot more pessimistic about the future of competitive subutio. He thinks the playing community needs to wake up to what the future really holds for their game.
1: No. There's no survival. People need to get this under their heads. There is no mode for Suburio. This is it. Suburio has reached its apocalyptic epoch. This is where we're at. Our generation, whoever's playing Suburio now, that's it. It's by grown men. Do you know what I mean? Occasionally you'll get somebody younger coming into it. But that, that's an aberration. We have a guy, Jude, plays with us. He's only started playing the last year or two. And he never played video when he was young. He's only 30, I think. But he never played video growing up. But he was working with me, and I got him into it. He, he's easily got into it. something like that. You know, it's quirky, it's interesting, it's bit a crack, and, and now he loves it. There's a wee Ruby Matthews. And she's only 12, but... She's only playing Sabudu because her dad, Cain, played Sabudu. Elliot, Belfontaine, was over here. He's only, what, 25? But again, his father played Sabudu competitively. You know, they play competitively, and they've got an on And I mean, that young for Elliot, that, that's all. He's hes only ever known that there was a thing called Sabudu, and you play it, you know. Whereas Jude, with us, had never heard of it. Our generation... The only reason we play it is because we played it when we were we. There's no getting young people on it. Clubs, once everybody in that club dies, then I dare say that club's going to be dead. Once all this generation dies and goes away, there'll be no sabudio Pockets, We small pockets around the world, maybe. And Italy, different story in Italy. Italy's a different kid. Sabudio was always a grown-up sport game. Or, or not a sport like a game but a grown-up game it wasn't for children so children weren't allowed to play it so then they wanted to play it so then when they came of youth clubs and things like that those children went up through it and it and it's just part of the culture in Italy and Malta different parts of the world not here not here in the UK or Ireland it was a, a kids game and we're the oddity of society looking to play it now it'll not keep going afterwards Nobody will come to it. It's too hard. It's too difficult. There's easier options. You can tr- try everything in the world. Start, people start to leagues in school, things like that. And it, it might well, you know, say, league after school, some teacher. They had six, seven Wayne's playing it. They played it for a year, two years. And then they, they leave school. They, the same thing happens. Wayne. Can introduce the girls and drink and smoking and going out to the pub and Subiaco falls away. Do you know?
0: Simon Stewart is another who is not very optimistic about the long term future of Subutio clubs.
4: I don't know. Uh, I th- I think maybe through through this generation having kids uh, and getting their children involved. I tried that. I had my daughter playing years ago. Uh, And she came along to our club in Belfast and she would play and she would come to tournaments with me as well. But, you know, when she had 14, 15, the interest waned, wasn't interested anymore and it stopped. I think that's the only, well, not the only way, but I think that's maybe going to be the most important way. Another way, I mean, how how do you get more kids involved? maybe making them more official, but, I mean, there's all sorts of child protection issues with official clubs. Uh, You know, and a lot of paperwork, maybe, and expense to go through. I'm not sure. So, you know, I don't know. There was a a little bit of talk at San Paoli last year before COVID hit about the club wanting to make make the Sabudio club an even Bigger, more official part of the St. Pauli club, sort of umbrella. There's lots so many different clubs at St. Pauli. They've got a rugby team. They've even got a pipe band. Believe it or not, Derek Uh, and a Scottish friend of mine here. He he met his wife through the through the pipe band. Uh, So there's so many different clubs, and there was a little talk of doing that, and then maybe getting, and then through that maybe more children will become involved through advertising through the St. Pauli thing, but. To be honest, I I'm not optimistic about the future of Cebuio. I think there'll always be players playing. I think it will always be collectors. We'll always want to collect stuff. But in terms of the, in terms of the growth of it, I I I don't think it's ever going to grow. You know, I think it's as big as it's going to get at the minute. Uh, and maybe if we can get some more kids, but I'm not I'm not hopeful or optimistic about that situation. To be honest,
0: in Germany. Clubs seem to be a lot more proactive here's Fred explaining how digital culture needs to change before the clubs can grow, and what his club Hanover is doing to meet the challenge
3: I think it's not up to us. I think the clubs in general I think they are doing a good work of i don't know fostering and training new players is is a question of culture we're not in the um 80s or the 70s anymore we live in a digital world where we're all isolated we're working isolated with this zoom uh uh, generation that's coming out out of this pandemic it's a question of uh building the opportunities for new players to know the game like for example in Hannover we do it every summer and we're doing in two weeks uh what's called a ferien action, which is a yeah, holiday action for kids. Yeah, little kids from between eight until yeah to thirteen, fifteen and so on. They are welcome to come to a club. It's two Saturdays, they come to the club and we teach them Suburio, tip kick and anything that we play. And and we do like as we, we teach them the, the, the rules of the game. We offer them everything. They don't need to have the anything, any material. We offer them the material. They play with the material that we have on, on the club. We teach them the rules. We teach them the techniques, a little bit of taxes. We organize a small tournament, give them a, a, a little cup in the end, so they, they're gonna be happy. Something very German too. We we give them all a certificate, a Ukunde, it's a Ukunde culture in Germany. It's it's very, very bureaucratic of German culture. But we do that, we print it, we give it. I Sign as a representative of the club, so that kid could be the next generation of Suburio players, and And I think most of the clubs, they do that. In Berlin, one of the clubs, one of the most important clubs, German champions many, many times, uh, Sparta Berlin, they, they, they function many, many years in a youth center where the youth basically went there to spend time after school, and they learned, I don't know, skateboarding, graffiti, and also Suburio. Our here in Hanover, the same. Our headquarters is also in a cultural Center, in the center of culture, where each room people are learning different things from, from music to Subutio to languages. And that, that's, I think, is gonna, I don't know, make the ball rolling for the future. Subutio is culture. So if you want to preserve Subutio, you have to preserve culture. That that's for me the only way.
0: The situation in the UK may look bleak, but in Germany the number of clubs is actually growing. Here's Fred Elishbau again, explaining what the current scene is like in Germany.
3: Example in the north of Germany we have four clubs. We have Sparta uh, Berlin, we have Sibiu Sampoli, we have Hanover here, and we have the Weimar Wanderers. So here we have four places to play in the north of the country. So if you're going to the west, you have more eight options. If you go to the southwest, you have more uh, eight options. And the south, you have more uh, seven options. So yes, we, we have a bunch of uh, 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 clubs to choose and, and, and play. The only, the only critique I think is that on the competitive side, so, but your clubs, especially in Germany, they they don't play together as much. Like they don't train together. It's more it's more often like you're a member of the same club and you visit a a, a club member and you train there. But uh, they should be able to organize better themselves to train together, practice together, travel together as as a club as a community. But yes, Germany, we have a. It, but remember, Germany is not even on the top uh, tier of the Subutia world in, in, in terms of clubs. Like, if you're going to a place like Italy, you, you have clubs everywhere. They have, like, 20, 30, 40. Each region, you have multiple options to play. Uh, Germany is still, yeah, a developing nation <laughs> in in Subutia compared to the, the big boys like Italy, Spain, or Belgium.
0: I for one was staggered by the sheer number of clubs that were in Germany. So perhaps the UK could look to our European neighbours for some guidance. But I'm determined to end the show on a positive note. Here's Fred Ellishbaugh again. But this time he's explaining what you can as a player learn from being a member of a club.
3: Yeah, you don't you don't have to. You just have to be um the only greed that you should have, the only hunger that you should have is is the ability to learn. Like you have to yeah. think about after this three hours that I invested that I had fun, what did I learn from that fun in these three hours? And every week you're going to do that. Every week you're going to learn something different. You're going to learn a different flick. You're going to learn a different corner. You're going to learn a different rule. You're going to learn a different uh, goal. You're going to learn a different uh, goalkeeper situation. You're going to learn position. Anything, anything. I- even though. Even how to rest between the games or to referee. you're gonna learn. Every single three hours is gonna be a new player that is born, and, we, and and I think that's fascinating about the game.
0: But I'll leave the last word to Paul Pearson.
6: But no, it's it's great. It's a great thing to do, and I'd in, I'd encourage anyone that that has ever had any kind of love for Subutio to just get out and do it. You know.
0: I hope you have enjoyed this glimpse into the world of Subutio Clubs. All of our contributors have put forward a strong case for taking a break from the team painting, stadium building, collecting, and instead placing a box under your arm and heading out into the night in search of a new adventure at a local club. If you're interested in joining one, I've placed a list of Twitter accounts to all of the clubs mentioned in this program along with others. So why not drop them a message and pop along to the next club night? You never know. It might just change your life. In the next episode, we'll be looking at competitive play and talk to people who have played at the very highest level and what you can get out of facing off across the table. So if you don't want to miss the show, then subscribe to Finger Flickin' Good on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finger Flickin' Good is an Airtime production. It's written and presented by me, Derek Ayer, with contributions from Martin O' Bradley, Jason Christopher, Fed Ellis Bow, Paul Pearson, Simon Stewart, and Lawrence Watson. The theme music is Drive. It's written and produced specially for the programme at Campbell Ayer of the Creature Appeal. Check them out on Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Spotify.